Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. This morning, we're going to talk about forward by faith, dealing with defeat, dealing with defeat. Uh, as far as the series, we're, we're talking about the people of Israel going into the land, God blessing, giving them victory after victory. But we come across this chapter here in Joshua chapter 7, where we find there's a, there's problems, folks. They, they ran into some difficulties as far as not so much from the outside, but from within. There, there was a problem. Uh, and we're going to talk about that this morning because, you know, as we live, we want to go forward with God. We want to walk with God. We want to live for the Lord. But uh, what happens when you stop going forward? That means something's wrong. There's, there's a problem. And so this morning we're going to look at this problem uh, as far as dealing with difficulties, or defeat, excuse me, dealing with defeat. And we're going to see how we can, uh, of course, want to stay above sin. But if we should make a mistake, we're going to see where God can bless and God can forgive. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to begin with this. You know, the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 1. Paul said here, Brethren, if if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The thought I want to share with you as we open up this message is, nobody's above sin. We've got to guard ourselves. We've got to protect ourselves. Even after we're saved, we can... Fall to temptation. We can give into the flesh. We can give into perhaps our desires at times. And we can allow sin into our life. And when sin comes into our life, we're going to have problems. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be difficulties. Now, I do believe all sin is sin. I, I, there's no categorization, you know, sin is sin. But some sin has what we'd call different consequences at different times. You know, there are some sins. Uh, let me illustrate this. You know, I think to steal is a sin. All right, to steal is a sin. Now, if you go and sneak a pen, say if you have a sibling and you sneak a pen from your brother or sister, uh, or someone else even, you know, that's, that's theft. That's a sin. They catch you, they're going to get upset, and you're going to have to give it back. You choose to go out and steal a car, it's still sin, but you get caught, the circumstances are different, consequences are different, obviously, and you can end up going to prison or jail. So, sin is sin. We've got to understand that. Any sin is going to produce problems. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So, let's go back to the book of Joshua, chapter 7. I have four thoughts that I want to share with you this morning that I hope will encourage you as we look at this passage. And let's look at the example given here of not only the mistake that was made, but how the how to remedy the mistake, how to fix the problem. So, the first one is I want to talk about the disobedience. Because that, that's where this all began. Notice it says here in verse 1, But the children of Israel says committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let's go back to chapter 6 real quick. Let's look here of what the Bible says about the mistake. Chapter 6, it says in verse 17, this is what the Lord's direction here of And Joshua chapter 6 verse 17 says, And the city shall be accursed, talking about Jericho, even it and all that are therein to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron 
are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So that, that was pretty clear. Okay, They were to go in. God was going to give them the victory. And God did give them the victory. The walls came down. And they were, of course, to spare Rahab and her family. Uh, but they were also to avoid taking anything, anything from the city of the spoil. Except for the, the silver and the gold and the precious metals. And the, those were to be given unto God. They were to be given to the Lord. So they weren't theirs. They weren't to be taken and, and hoarded or, or taken after. The Lord had a plan for this, a purpose for this. This was his victory, by the way. He was going to teach them to trust in him as they would go forward. And what we find in the Bible is that uh, everything went well except one person fell to the temptation. And that was Achan. The Bible says that he took of those things. Uh, he just couldn't avoid it, I guess, or he couldn't overcome this temptation. Now, let me just mention this. It's interesting because everyone else did. Okay, the others did. Uh, when I say everyone else, the rest of Israel, evidently, they were able to do this. So he just gave in to this temptation is what happened. And uh, he did it without anyone knowing, as far as maybe others in his family knew. But Joshua didn't know. The others didn't know. They thought everything was well. Uh, and what we find here is this disobedience proved to be a problem. You know, it's kind of interesting. You, you go back to Genesis. That's where it all began with sin. Disobedience. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed. Self-will, wanting to do their own thing. Not content with God's direction or what God had given. Instead, believing they could do better. Well, here, Achan wasn't content with God's direction. He wanted to better himself, maybe, or his family, whatever the situation. He, he failed here, and he took of what God had forbidden. So Achan's sin hurt the entire nation. That's what I want to point out to you this morning. Achan's sin, it hurt more than himself. And by the way, that's how sin is too. You know, sin hurts others. Uh, Poor deeds will affect those around you. And and this sin hurt those that were around him. It hurt the nation. Eventually, obviously, it hurt his family. And it hurt many people in the land. You know, it's the same today. You know, one sin can hurt a family. One sin can hurt a church. One sin can obviously hurt a nation. Pray for our nation, by the way. There's some decisions that need to be made. Pray for our leaders. You know, some poor decisions will affect a country and affect a nation and affect the people. And this sin here, it hurt. It hurt the people. And it hurt the nation. And and this just reminds us of the importance of our decisions and the consequences of our actions, of what we do. Let me give you a few examples, some illustrations. You know, those enjoy sports. You know, one player can lose a game, so to speak. Now, I don't always put the blame on one player, but one player's mistake, one player's attitude can affect a game. It can change everything. Well, you know, one employee can do the same in, in a work environment. Uh, I've been in work environments where one person just made everything, everyone miserable. Uh, likewise, one person can be a blessing as well and an encouragement. Uh, also in a church, you know, one person's sin can hurt the church, can hurt a church. Uh, it can hurt a family. One member of a family can produce problems. So let's see how this played out. Let's see what happened next. And that's the second one here. Here's the defeat. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 7. Everything seemed to be well uh, as far as Joshua was concerned, as far as the people were concerned. And so they go forward. And the Bible tells us in verse 2 that he sent men from Jericho to Ai. He's doing everything right, by the way. He's not doing anything wrong. He sent out scouts. They're going out to look at this city to say, hey, what, what needs to be done? And they return and they tell Joshua, we don't need to send the whole army. We don't need everybody. It's a small group. We can take care of this. We'll trust God. We'll go forward. I don't think Joshua did anything wrong. We don't find him rebuked anywhere. Uh, He did everything based upon his knowledge, what he knew, trusting God. And he said, okay, let's go. And so they went forward. The problem was, obviously, sin was in the camp. Sin was in the land. And God was not going to bless. So we have 
these men, 3,000 going out, and the Bible tells us that they were defeated. You know, uh, someone pointed out once, it's discouraging to do something and, and fail, something that you're supposed to succeed at, something you're supposed to be good at. And to fail can be discouraging. I imagine they were extremely discouraged. Not only did they lose some lives, but they were supposed to succeed. God had made, given them all these promises, and, and God had given them one great victory already, and I'm certain they thought, obviously God is with us, He's going to bless, and so they're going forward. And what we find is that they were defeated. And not only defeated, the Bible says that they fled. They were humiliated in this battle. They, they turned around, and they, they left, and they went with confidence, and they left, uh, I guess, in fear. They're running away now, and they got these problems. Uh, that says they lost 36 men in the battle. Uh, a little bit of a tidbit here. This is, this is the only casualty report given to us when they took the land. Isn't that interesting? God blessed them in a great way. I think these people are often overlooked as far as their faith. The victories that they acquired going in that land are amazing. Only 36 men. And we find out now the problem was because they went without God. Had they went with God the whole time and everyone followed God, then these 36 men wouldn't have died in battle either. It was, they were doing it in their own flesh, their own power at this point. Anyway, what we find here is that sin was a problem. Sin created a problem. So due to disobedience, they now have trouble in their life, or trouble in the the camp, or trouble in the nation. And because of this, first off, they could not go forward. Think about that. They couldn't go forward. They want to go forward by faith. They couldn't go forward now. What are they supposed to do? The Bible tells us they stopped completely. You know, that's what sin will do to you. It'll stop you. Now, it may not stop you immediately. Notice they weren't stopped immediately. They went forward. But eventually, it's going to stop you as far as your walk with God. That's what sin's going to do. It's going to create problems and turmoil in your life. And actually, they turn, they turn around and ran. So instead of going forward, they're going backwards now. They're going the wrong direction. But that's what sin does. It gets us going the wrong direction. It takes us off our walk with God takes us off our focus. You know what it'll also do? It'll remove you from your responsibilities because you'll now focus on something else. Maybe whatever the sin is or, or just the selfishness, that can be a sin too. You see, all of a sudden now you're focusing on these other things instead of focusing on what you should be in, which is walking with God. That's what happened here. The sin now led them as far as going a different direction. They got all these problems. And that's what sin will do. So we've got to make sure sin is not there. And that leads me to my the third thought here this morning. And this is the discouragement. That's where we're going to really begin to see how sin can hurt an individual and hurt a life. And notice the discouragement here. The Bible tells us, and we're in chapter 7 here. And it says in verse... Three says they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let all the people, excuse me, that's when they, they gave him the report of going. And verse six, it says here, And Joshua rent his clothes, fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust upon their heads. So here's what happened a spirit of defeat settled over the nation. A spirit of defeat settled over the nation. They lost a battle they should have won. This can happen to an individual. You can be tempted. Make a mistake. And then a spirit of defeat can enter in. You can get discouraged. So that's what happened here. And then notice the departure. They ran away. You know, I've often found it interesting that, and I I just say this in general because I know I've fell in this myself at times, that when there's sin in your life, it's for some reason we, we draw away from God instead of drawing towards God. 
In other words, sometimes we will stop reading our Bible. We will stop praying. I think probably what it is, it's that conviction begins to set in. The Spirit working. And it's difficult to read the Bible when you're not right with God. Because then there's that conviction. It's difficult to pray when you're not right with God because of conviction. And, and even going to church sometimes, people will stop going because there's that conviction there. So what happens is it just draws us away from God. Now, we need to draw closer to God when we have problems. But what happens, sin can draw us away from God if we're not careful. And then what I'll call the delay, the spirit of defeat. Now they're delayed. They're no longer going forward. This is a group of people that was promised a land, promised victory. They had a couple great victories already, and they're moving forward. They're excited. And all of a sudden now they're stopped. Everything has stopped. They're not moving forward. There's no great conquest right now. They're not even planning to take the land. They have no plans for the land. Joshua here, is, he's shocked and he's not even sure if God's given him the land anymore. Notice his, his comment is, Lord, why, why would you bring us across Jordan? Why don't you just leave us there if you're going to destroy us? He is absolutely just discouraged at this point. Not sure what to do. You see, it's all a result of sin. Now, here's something to think about. Joshua didn't sin as far as it wasn't his sin. But you know what this tells us? Sin is far-reaching. It can affect a lot of people. I think parents can begin to understand this. You know, the sins of their children can be a burden. You know, Proverbs talks a lot about that with mothers. You know, it's a burden on mothers. You know, sometimes the, the actions or conduct of children. Heard a message once challenging me saying, you know what, you don't want to be a burden on people. So live right. Live right. Because you'll be an encouragement on others. Or for others. And so sin is far-reaching. Even if it's not necessarily your sin, you can be hurt by other sin. You can be hurt because you can be burdened by someone else. I have family members and friends that I pray for every day. And I'm burdened by their conduct sometimes. Maybe you have the same. There's some people that you just pray for and you're hurt. There's a burden there. And it's not necessarily your sin, but you're hurt by their sin. You, you hurt for them. That's how sin reaches out. But you know, sin also can affect a family or a home or a group. You see, someone can make a poor decision and others have to suffer the consequences. Uh, you know, it happens at work sometimes too. You know, people will make a poor decision and what happens? You may have to end up working more. You may have to end up doing this or doing that. And it wasn't because you chose to, it was because someone else made a poor decision. Now you have to deal with it. You see, that's, how, that's just what sin does. And that's what we need to understand is how sin is far-reaching and affects many different people. And here, as far as Joshua and the people, they, they were delayed now. They were stopped. They were not going forward. And the Bible says that they were discouraged. Joshua rent his clothes. You know what this is? This was an outward expression of grief is what this is. He's hurting. And so now he's expressing himself by renting his clothes. They put ashes upon their head. And what this is is just showing, or dust upon their head, showing their grief, displaying their grief before God. You know, some uh, culture are more demonstrative than we are. You know, our culture sometimes is more more laid back as far as showing or expressing our grief. I think there's some cultures even more reserved than we are. But then there are some cultures that their 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 emotions are a little bit more out front. The Jews, that's how they were. Their culture was demonstrated often as far in their culture, their expression or their grief would be demonstrated, their emotions. And that's what he's doing here. He's demonstrating. So others can see that he, he's hurting. There's a burden here. And he's doing this before the Lord, not for attention or, or to try to get any sort of applause of any kind, but he's seeking God in this matter. So we find here he's hurting. I've often wondered, and, and from this passage, it indicates he's wondering if the failure is with him. You know, he's wondering, what did I do? Now, he's the leader here. 
He's saying, is it my fault, God? Did I mess up? Did I make a mistake? And he's going to God here, and, and perhaps he thought God was done blessing. Have you ever, have you ever had that? I, I met a pastor once who had a hard time at a church, and he left. And he said the worst feeling in the world was about a year later when he thought God was done with him. He said he had a nice job, but he just, he just thought God was done with him. And it was kind of interesting because I had called him and asked him to come preach here. This is about six, seven years ago, and I called him and asked him to come preach here. And I didn't know it till he got here, but I was the first pastor to reach out to him in about a year to ask him to come and preach somewhere. And he just, he said he, he, he didn't know why. He said he had a lot of friends. It just, it just didn't happen. He wasn't blaming anybody. But he said it was up to that point where he began to say, God, are you just done with me? And he said, he goes, when I got the call, he said, he goes, and when you asked me to come, he goes, it just, it's like the Lord just filled my heart with joy that you still have a plan for me. You, you still have a, a calling for me. Well, he's pastoring today, by the way. God has blessed him. He's pastoring. He's up in Oklahoma pastoring and God's working in his life. But we can get to that point when we go through some discouraging times and it may not be something brought on by you. It just can be life in general where we get to the point where we wonder, God, are you finished? Am I going to see your blessings again? Are you going to help me through this difficult time or is it all going to be... That's when we got to go to God. And that's what Joshua's doing here. He's going to God, but he's hurting. He's discouraged. And so what we find here is he he falls on his face before the Lord. Notice what it says here. Let's go back to our passage in... Here's my glasses here. Go back to our passage in Joshua 7. And notice it says here in verse... 7 verse... uh, Chapter 7 verse 7. He says, And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God... Wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side? O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of land are going to hear this. So he's saying, Lord, what can I do when they, when they turn their back on us? You know, what, are they going to, what's, what should I tell them? What should I tell the people? Uh, you know, what testimony is this? When our enemies see us running and, and fearful. You know, as Christians, we want to be strong for the Lord. And perhaps sometimes you may feel this way. Lord, you know, help me to be strong here. I don't want to be a poor testimony for you. I don't want the world to see my discouragement. And I want to trust in you. And that's almost what he's saying here. He says in verse 10, The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore thou liest thou thus upon thy face. So now he's, he's struggling here. And, and he looks, or, or God looks and, and challenges him and says, Get up. Get up and get going. In other words, I'm not through with you. I'm not done. Here's what we're going to get into. See, first off, Joshua understood, I think, that this was a what we'd call a sign of God's displeasure. What I mean by that, if had it only been a loss due to strategy or planning, he probably would have regrouped and said, let's do it differently. Let's go get him. But the fact that he goes to God and he prays to God and he's asking God for pretty much for help and for direction, the fact that he did this tells us that he believes something is wrong. There's a problem. There's something wrong within either his heart or the people. And so what we find is Joshua understood, hey, I've got to get things right with God. So let, here's the thought for you here this morning. If there's a problem in your life, any time at all, here's, here's something I encourage you to do. It's, it's a good practice to get into. If anything comes into your life that's a problem, begin with yourself. Start, start right here. Just say, God, is it me? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Have I made a mistake? Is my heart wrong? Are my motives wrong? My desires wrong? And ask God to show you too. Ask God for, for that. Say, God, am I, is it me? Am I the problem? And by the way, if God shows you that you're the problem, then confess it, as we'll talk about here in a minute, and get right with God. 
But it may be like Joshua, as we'll see here in a minute. Joshua wasn't the problem. And God's going to show them that. But, but that's a good place to start. Start right here. Just say, Lord, is it me? You know, I think our, our human tendency is to look around and say, that's not me, it's someone else. It's got to be them. Uh, it can't be me. Uh, it's got to be that person. It's got to be so But we need to start with ourselves because that's where the self-evaluation comes in. And that's where we make sure we're right with God. You know, throughout the Psalms, that's what David often did. He examined his own heart. And that's where we need to start with, examining our own heart. And once we examine our own heart, God will begin to work. So begin with yourself. And then, this is the last thought here, follow God's direction. Okay, This is how we fix the problem. Notice what God told him. He told him to get up first. He told him to get up. But here's what he said in verse 11. Israel hath sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Well, there's a lot of charges here, all right? Not just one, but this also reminds us that one sin, one sin's problematic. You know, I like to think of it this way or express it this way. Sin is like a snowball. Have you ever seen a snowball effect? It just gets going. And sometimes you, people will, will, you know, one sin will lead to another sin, or one sin has to cover up another sin, and next thing you know, there's all sorts of problems. Well, that's what happened here. Obviously, it began with Achan looking and then taking, but then he had to hide it, and he stole it and everything else. So we have all these problems here with Lord. And basically, God told Joshua, he said, Israel is the problem. Now, here's two thoughts I think we find here. First off, God had not forsaken him. Okay, God had not forsaken him. I, I think this passage here applies what we would call to the believer in our walk with God. In other words, uh, you know, we're not perfect. Okay, nobody's perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Now, we don't strive to make mistakes. We strive for a Christ-like life. But if you should make a mistake, praise God, He's not going to forsake you. Okay? That's what we find here. They weren't forsaken. They weren't forsaken. God had not failed them either. It wasn't God's fault. The fault was with Israel. It wasn't with God. And so we find here that that's, that's the encouragement to take hold of. That God was a forgiving God. And God blesses again. And so what we find next is Israel was defeated because they went to battle without God's power. That's what happened. They went without God's power. Now as far as Joshua, I've read some think that he should have... Maybe he should have known. I don't know. Maybe he should have. Uh, it's a difficult one to call on that uh, because you can't know everything someone does. But as far as Joshua himself, he's going to get it right now. Okay? He, he, now he finds out. Now he discovers. And now he's going to make things right. See, that's the difference. Okay? Uh, he's not going to persist in this sin. He's not going to say, well, let's just keep going and see what happens. He's going to make things right. But he's going to follow the Lord's direction. You see... Israel was defeated because they went to battle without God's power. They, they went in their own strength, in their own might, and the Lord would not bless because there was sin. This just shows us how great sin is before God, is what it shows us. You know, sin separated the people from God's blessings, not from God himself, but from his blessings. He would, would withhold the blessings as they went forward now. And they found out without God's power, they couldn't, they couldn't do nothing. You know, with God, all things are possible. But without God, we got no power at all. We can't do anything. And that's what they discovered, that they needed God. They needed God in their life. And that perhaps is one of the lessons that they took away here. You know, this morning, I think, if Christians are discouraged, I know there are Christians out there discouraged. There's believers in this world that are discouraged. And I think a lot of it has to do with this right here. There's probably sin. There's something in their life that should not be there. 
And it may not be what people call the gross sins, you know, the murder or, or theft or anything like that. It just may be something that has got inside their heart that has taken them away from God, that has put their focus. When I say taken away, not, not their heart from God, but just their, their desires. They're looking elsewhere. They're distracted. They're trying to find peace somewhere else. That's what happened to Solomon in the Old Testament. He, he tried to find peace in everything, couldn't find it. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get distracted. We get set aside and we try to find those things. And and then we're going to be discouraged. And notice what God told them to do. Let's look at the direction now. Verse 13, he says, up. In other words, they get up. Okay, don't don't just stay still. We're going to go forward still. All right, I'm not through here. I'm going to give you some victories. But notice what they had to do. He says, first he says, sanctify the people. And say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus said the Lord God of Israel... There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the cursed thing from among you. So they were to sanctify themselves. Now that word sanctify, it means to be set apart is what it means. It's a setting apart. Now the word is used in the Old Testament. We find at the very beginning, we find it in creation. The seventh day was sanctified. It was set apart from the others. Six days of creation, on the seventh day God rested. And so we find it right there. Well, throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we find the teaching of sanctification at different times, which is to separate, to be set apart unto God. And here they were told to sanctify themselves. In other words, to set set their hearts apart unto God, to examine their hearts, make sure there was no sin there. Now, Now, keep in mind, the Lord knew who had sinned, but Joshua still didn't know. I don't know if he had an idea or a thought, but he's telling the people, okay, you've got to examine your hearts now. We've got to make sure this sin is gone. We've got to make sure everything is taken care of. So he has all the people sanctify themselves, get right with God. In other words, to examine their hearts and see if there's any sin there. And they needed to be cleansed, basically, before God would bless them. They needed to have that sin removed before God would bless again. You know, this morning, I think that's what's needed today in our country. Amongst families, amongst Christians, we need to separate from the world. We need to sanctify ourselves and walk with God. And that's what they needed to do. You know, I don't think, uh, and I'm not against starting ministries and churches and activities, but we don't need more ministries. We just need to seek the Lord and seek after God. You know, somewhere along the lines, and I'm not sure where, but in our modern Christianity, when I say modern, I'd say today, our culture, you know, happiness has taken over I guess you say the standard instead of holiness. I think holiness should be the standard. That's what we should strive for. To be holy before God. Seeking to be holy. Living right. But somewhere along the lines, happiness came in. And it's become more about being happy than holy. Well, the problem with that is happiness seeks to please the flesh. Emotions. Feelings. Whereas holiness seeks to please God. And when holiness comes in, then, then that's when you find true joy, by the way. You, your circumstances may remain the same, but the joy of the Lord comes into the heart. Because you're walking with God. And there's that joy. And, and that produces that peace that passes all understanding. You see, that's where holiness is important. That's what they were to do. They were to be holy now. They are to get right with God. And, and this was based upon God's direction. You know, when you think about it this way, the only issue God had with them was sin. That was it. They, they had made a mistake, and there was sin there. So they could address the sin, and they could remove it, have it taken care of, and they would be blessed again. And that's what they did, by the way. They, they addressed the sin. I'm not going to read through the rest of the passage, but that's what happened. They lined up by family. Eventually, it came down to Achan. Uh, he seemed to be very stubborn, by the way. You know, he didn't 
seem to come forward with any of it at all, any time it is what we find. But they discovered where the problem was and they addressed it and they removed it before God. Now this morning we've got to obviously keep things in context, okay? This is not saying we cast out members and, and go and families do this and follow the direction. This is the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They're going into a land. Now as far as churches we address sin to and families you need to address sin and you know what? Sin does need to be removed. Needs to be taken care of. There's sin there because that sin is going to create a problem. It's going to be an issue. And until it's addressed and focused on, it's going to continue to be a problem. So they could have ignored it. That's one thing they could have done. They could have ignored the sin and allowed it to remain. But they would have continued without God's blessing and God's presence. And Joshua understood that. And I think they probably understood that after the defeat. They realized we need God. And so instead of letting it go, they dealt with it. See, it was their choice. God gave them a choice here. They wanted to, they could go forward by faith. And that's what they chose to do. And that's how God blessed. So here's some final thoughts I want to share with you as I wrap it up this morning as far as this passage here. What we find is we find, first, the problem of sin. The problem of sin. Okay, sin is a problem. The Bible tells us in 1 John that sin is a transgression against the Lord. Let's go over there and look at it real quick. Let me show you what it says in the book of 1 John. Let's go to the New Testament and we'll look at 1 John this morning, chapter 3. And we'll see what it says here about sin. 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 4. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Now, that word transgress means to break, to go against. Uh, to sin is to transgress or to break the law. Now, we're talking about God's law, which takes us back to the Old Testament. And so we find just the, the basic teaching here of sin. In verse 5, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Uh, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So here's what we find in First John, is that sin is a transgression of the law, basically. It's a, it's a breaking of the law. And one sin is... Terrible. One sin, one sin is just as bad as many sins. It's multiple. The late Charles Spurgeon uh, used to illustrate it like this, as far as sin. He would say, you know, if you have a bucket and you're lowering someone down into a cave and there's a chain holding onto that bucket, he said, how many links in that chain need to break for that bucket to fall? He said, just one. That's it. Just one link. And that bucket's going to crash down. He said, that's how it is with sin. He said, one sin is an offense against God. Of course, one sin will put you in opposition to God. Now, that takes us to Romans. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whosoever, you know, as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10 and then Romans 3.23. You know, what it is, is sin has placed us against God because we've broken God's law. And that's serious. That's a serious offense. And until we're forgiven, then we are at odds with God. Now, this morning, I'm going to tell you, this is where we talk about Jesus Christ and how wonderful He is. Okay, let me share some things with you. We need help. We need God's help. We need God's help to start with for salvation. See, that's sin. That's a problem there. We can't do anything about it. Even if someone said, well, you know what? From this point on, 
I want to be good. I'm not going to make any mistakes. Well, first I would, I'm very cynical when it comes to that, obviously. That means you'd have no, no evil thoughts or no evil intentions, nothing. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone could do that except for Christ, obviously. But he, let's just, let's just say for, for instance, let's say for instance, let's say someone did do that. Well, how about the sins before that? They still have to, those are still accountable. You see, once there's sin, then there is accountability. For the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible teaches. We have a sinful nature. You know, we've all had that sinful nature, but we've all also, if you reach the age of accountability, have sinned, I guess you would say, by your own will, too. Choosing to do wrong at some point. Choosing to do what you know is not right. And that's where sin comes in. Well, see, that's where Jesus Christ, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where we bring Christ into the picture, and that changes everything. Because Christ, with Christ we find forgiveness. With Christ we find hope. And so this morning, I hope and pray everyone here is saved. You see, salvation is simple. It's simply understanding that you're a sinner. That you've sinned against God. And then it's understanding that Jesus Christ was sent to live a life for you. To take your place on that cross. So that way you could be saved. He takes the place of sinners. Uh, He died for sin. And then you, Bible teaches, repent and you believe. Jesus taught that. Repent and believe. Under what it is, it's a repentance, is a turning. Turning from you, whatever you're trusting in or whatever you're looking towards and putting your faith in Jesus Christ and believing on Him. And if you do that in your heart, you're saved. The Bible teaches that. That's it. There's no works. There's nothing added to that. You believe on Christ and you're saved. Hope and pray you've been saved here this morning. Now, our passage, I think, is dealing more with what we call sanctification. Someone who's saved but makes mistakes. That's what happened here. These were God's people. They sinned, and now they're having problems. So here, this morning, here's the thought here in closing for those that are saved. Uh, first off, we've got to guard ourselves against sin. Because there's a lot of temptations out there. I mean, as soon as you leave, there are going to be temptations, you know, on any radio station you listen to, maybe a commercial or billboards. Or, there's just so many temptations to sin out in this world today. We've got to be on guard, and we've got to be ready. And if we should make a mistake, if you should make a mistake, that's where you seek God's forgiveness. First John 1 9, we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we're to confess we're to confess and to leave that and seek God's forgiveness. That's what they did here, is they had to remove that sin. And so, this morning, if there is sin in your life, and there's two ways of sin, by the way. There's a sin of omission. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In other words, if, if there's something you know you should be doing and you're not doing it, that's sin. Uh, by the way, once I really got a good understanding of that, I thought, man, there's no way anybody could ever live a perfect life. Because nobody does right all the time. We don't, you know, we, we sometimes, uh, uh, let me give you one quick example. I mean, there are times I walk by and there's trash on the ground. I don't pick it up. I should be, hey, you know, I clean this place. I, I just move on, selfishly thinking my own things. See, there, there is the sins of omission that are there. But then there's the sins of commission. That's what we do, something that's wrong, and we break, break the law. So here's the thought here. If you ever find any of those in your life, just confess those. Just ask God to forgive you, and God will forgive you. See, we're not to live discouraging lives, thinking, well, I made a mistake, God's not going to forgive me. No, He will forgive you. God is a forgiving God. He loves you. He wants to bless you again, and if you make a mistake, ask His forgiveness, and God will forgive and bless your life again. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. 
We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.